Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, my lovely Betwixters. How are you doing? It's so nice to have you here again. I do enjoy our time together. But before we can get into our time together, you know what's coming. You know what we've got to do first. Yep, it's the fair dues warning. This is an adult podcast spoken by adults to other adults about adulty things in an adulty way about a range of adult subjects. And you should be an adult too. And after you've listened to that, you can't get mad at us if you happen to get offended because of the adult content, because fair dues, you were warned. Oh, hello, Betwixters. How Bona Tavadi, you dolly old eek. Fancy a bevy? No, you do not need to adjust your set, lovely listeners. I am merely communicating to you through the once hidden gay language of Polari. Roughly translated, what I said there was how lovely to see your dear old face, fancy a drink. Seriously, the educational value of these episodes cannot be underestimated. First history and now languages. If they let us teach lessons in school, I think we'd live in a very different world. Polari's journey is a fascinating one. It's one that takes in the Navy and the circus and the theatre world, and even made its way into the heart of the establishment itself, the BBC. Curious to know more? Well, I know I am. What do you look for in a man? Oh, money, of course. <laughs> You're supposed to rise when an adult speaks to you. I make perfect copies of whatever my boss needs by just turning a knob and pushing the button. Yes, social courtesy does make a difference. Goodness, what beautiful time. Goodness has nothing to do with it, dearie. Hello and welcome back to Betwixt the Sheets, the history of sex scandal in society with me, Kate Lister. I need you to cast your minds back to a not so distant time in our past when being gay was outlawed. And it was outlawed and stigmatised to such an extent that it developed its own hidden language to help that subculture thrive and express itself. Polari, as it's known, was classified as an endangered language by Cambridge University in 2010. But there was a time when it was thriving. Where did this language come from? Which words made their way into common parlance? And why was it rejected by some of the gay community in more recent times? Joining us today is a returning guest, Paul Baker, author of Fabulosa, the story of Polari, Britain's secret gay language, and he is going to take us deep into this world. 
He also did an episode with us on the history of camp. So if you enjoy that, scroll back and have a listen to that one as well. Right, on with the show. Welcome back to Betwixt the Sheets. It's only Paul Baker. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm so glad to be back. For the second time? For the second time. We couldn't get enough of you. That's why. You're that fabulous. Thank you. There's no one else that I would rather be talking to about gay things, quite frankly. You are one of my (laughs) favourites. That didn't sound like a very academic thing to say. But we are actually talking about a very specific... Gay thing. Gay gay thing. Yes, we are talking about a very specific gay thing. And I'm fascinated by this. Polari. Polari. It's something that I've heard about and I've heard mentioned and I've seen reference to it in films and a few documentaries as this secret language that gay people used. Is that what it is? Or is it more than that? What is it? That's pretty much just in a nutshell. Yes, it was a secret language that gay people used. Not maybe a full language. Not, not all of them used it as a full language. Right. Not a lot of them used it as like a slang. You know, they had a few words. but Okay. Um, but it was secret and they used it between each other to kind of hide their identities to other people and also to have a laugh and to bond as well, I think. And also to be quite bitchy to each other sometimes too. Oh, nice. I like yeah. that. Yeah. When does it become a language and when is it slang? It's a language, I guess, when it has its own quite extensive vocabulary okay. and a kind of quite unique grammar as well. So uh-huh. way, ways of expressing, say, past, present and future or yeah. who did what to who and word order and things like that. And Polaris speakers relied a lot on English grammar. So they just changed a few of the nouns, verbs and adjectives. So okay. that's, that kind of tends it more towards a, a kind of a slang. Or, um, but some speakers, I think, who got very good at it, started to kind of use it in ways where it wasn't the same grammar as English and, and it made it quite hard to understand as well. Oh, so I think it was approaching a language for some people. Wow. Yeah. And then the other test is, can you talk about any topic in, it, in a language? You know, with, say, English, you can, I don't know, give a maths lecture, have an mm-hmm. argument about a film you saw last night, and discuss what you're going to do next day, all sorts of things. Whereas in Polari, sometimes it was harder to give a maths lecture, for example. Or <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm with you. So this is more like swapping out words and... For new ones. For yeah. new ones. And so like, this isn't like Dothraki, right? no, for example. No, no. So we've got certain things that have been swapped in for slang. We have. And we've also got a kind of attitude as well, I think, which was a kind of important bit of it. So it wasn't just you learn a kind of replacement word, but you learn a kind of a way of looking at the world. Mm. So sometimes it's been referred to as an anti-language, which is kind of what so-called anti-societies use. And it's a kind of way of, I suppose, showing allegiance to each other, but also kind of showing that you don't like outsiders. So... For example, there were words to do with the police and there were quite kind of derogatory words like Lily Law or um, Betty Bracelets. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in that in itself, you've got this kind of quite sassy kind of attitude yes. towards the police, kind of feminising them. And there was a lot of gender switching going on with, with Polari that was quite important to them. So it's not just the words, it's that kind of mindset, mm. that kind of quite defiant, sassy, us against them mindset that you get, which you have to pick up as well, I think. So you can't just learn the words. That's so true, isn't it? Like, how many subcultures and subgroups rely on language for their identity? They're, all of them must be that they've got their own terms for things, their own way of referring, their own way of speaking, even if they're not necessarily swapping out words, the inflection, the accent, the delivery of it. It's all about identity forming. It is. It is. It's all about 
us and them, isn't it? This yeah. is, we speak in the same way because we're similar to each other and we don't speak differently to you because you're different. Yeah. Definitely. And so there's a lot of that. And then you get this extra layer of secrecy around it as well. So people would have whole conversations in it on the tube or on the train or the bus and there'd be people opposite and they talk about their fashion sense, for example, and talk about their clothing or if they fancied somebody, they talk about who they fancied or they talk about what they got up to last night with somebody mm. after they'd gone home after the pub. And the people opposite wouldn't really know what was being said. They might think maybe this person's speaking Italian or they're foreign or weird or whatever, but they wouldn't get the gist of it, which was just as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. So what time period are we talking about here? Because I'm aware of different groups of people that have used a language trying to stay out of trouble with the police. Cockney rhyming slang yeah. is famously supposed to come from that particular origin, but that might not be true. Is that true? I don't know if it came from avoiding the police. You know, I'm not sure what the kind of reasons for rhyming slang were for, were for, but there's bits of rhyming slang in Polari. Polari was a very kind of magpie of a, a kind of language, okay. and it, picked, it got bits and pieces. So you've got Cockney rhyming slang in Polari. You've also got something called backslang, saying words as if they're pronounced backwards. So the most probably well-known one for Polari is ecaf, which is face. Ah. And it sometimes got shortened to eek. But then you've got things like efink, which is knife, emag, which is game, esong, which is nose. You've got a whole kind of set of these. To just drop that into a conversation if you weren't prepared for it, that's actually quite mind-melding to even think about it. So, <laughs> so, so what kind of time period are we talking about yeah. here? Where is the first recorded use of... Of Polari, or have they done such a good job of keeping it secret that we don't know? It's hard to get the exact date because obviously secret and also there weren't recording devices. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't taken seriously, so linguists didn't pay much attention to it. But you get kind of things that start to look a bit like Polari kind of at the turn of the 20th century, the start of it, and then going from the sort of 1900s to maybe the wow. 1960s particularly maybe in the 50s, I think, when there was a lot of persecution around gay people, but then a lot of people actually coming onto what was the start of a gay scene. That's probably when it had its heyday in the 50s, I'd say. Why did it come about? I mean, I know it's identity forming, but is it also a protection thing? Who was, was it just gay people using it? Well, it comes out of an earlier language called Parliari, which sounds a bit like Polari. And that, yes. that was used by traveling people in the UK, um, people who worked with traveling circuses and fairgrounds and people who had kind of traveling markets that go from like town to town and, and people who were kind of street entertainers, buskers, things like that, that would go from town to town. So these were kind of itinerant people. They were connected to the entertainment industry. Sometimes there were sex workers as well. Sometimes there were kind of vagrants. They didn't really have a fixed abode and they were on the fringes of society. And because of that reason, they had this language, which I suppose kind of connected them to each other and helped to protect them. And from that, you start to get Polari happening. It kind of, Polari finds its way into kind of music halls of the 19th century and then into theatres, particularly in places like the West End of London. Mm. And then you get a lot of kind of young gay guys running off to the city and then becoming chorus boys and, or, or working in the West End. And so you get kind of London and particularly sort of inner London becoming this kind of focus for this new identity um, around entertainment. So it kind of comes from theatre, I think, largely. But then it's supplemented with communities, say, in the East End of London and sailors as well. There was a lot, a lot going on around sailors. Ah. Yeah. It's interesting that you said that it was used by sex workers as well, because that's, yeah. that's a particular research interest of mine. What's the records of it being used within that community? <laughs> well, it was around... 
places like Piccadilly Circus and Soho, which where we are now, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> not too far from it. But Piccadilly Circus was a well-known kind of area for male sex workers. And they were called Dilly Boys, the Dilly Boys. And they would use it as a kind of tool of the trade. They'd use it to discuss other clients and how much money and what people like to do or didn't do and yeah. all sorts of things like that. Wow. When you said there about Polariari, Lari Lari, is that- <laughs> Spoken like a native. That presumably comes from the word parlay, which I hadn't thought of before. There's an Italian word, isn't it? Parlare to speak, I think. So there were links ah. to Italian as well. And there was this theory that Italian kind of um, entertainers came over to the UK, particularly working with, say, Punch and Judy stalls and things like that. And so they were kind of part of the reason why there's quite a bit of Italian in Polari, or a lot of the words sound Italian or have Italian origins. What else is in there? So there's some Italian, there's some Cockney rhyming Cockney rhyming slang, yeah, definitely that's in there too. Back slang, little bits of Yiddish as well from possibly the East End communities and Jewish communities. Lingua Franca, which is a, a kind of a language that was spoken around the Mediterranean by sailors, different ports. That's and it's random, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So again, it's sort of, there's a theory that sailors would learn this language, Lingua Franca, which wasn't a full language, but it was a useful trade language going around different ports in the Mediterranean. And then they'd often want to come back home. So they'd be dropped off at some random port, like, say, Portsmouth or something or Southampton. But maybe they lived up up in Newcastle. And you couldn't just pop on a train and get home in those days in the 19th or 18th century. So you'd have to find a way to get home that was cheap and safe. So you'd join maybe a travelling circus or fairground and you'd... Doesn't sound very safe. Well, (laughs) (laughs) it was fun, I guess. (laughs) And they'd maybe, you know, they'd work in the fairground putting up their tents and things like that with the ropes and things. And they'd travel up the country. And so they would kind of feed in bits of their slang Ah. to the other workers and the workers would feed in bits of slang to them. And so there's all this kind of crossover and kind of passing back and forth of different words to each other. Um, which is quite lovely. So if this isn't something that really interested linguists early on and it kind of went unnoticed, well, at least they didn't pay serious attention to it for a long time, (laughs) how have you studied it? Like what sources as a historian are you going to to try and recover this? It was hard. I I studied this as a PhD topic. It was my PhD subject way back in sort of the mid to late 90s when I started doing it. And even by that point, there weren't many people left in the country who spoke it or remembered it really well. So what I did, I went down to Brighton, booked into a, a gay hotel there and kind of announced myself. <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> that I'm, I'm doing this PhD in Polari. Do you know anyone who spoke it? And of course, the people who ran the hotel did. And they kind of put me in touch with people. And then they put me in touch with more people. Wow. And it kind of spread like that. So I went and interviewed these, these kind of older guys who remembered it, some of them who still used it, not as much as they would have done maybe 40 years earlier, but they still remembered it and used it enough. And... I used the internet a bit, I put adverts in newspapers to try to get more speakers, things like that. So did you record all of these interviews? I did. Wow. I did, yeah. Yeah, I was very young. I was 24 and terrified, I remember as well, interviewing these drag queens who are kind of, you know, very strong, quite ferocious and kind of, you know, they ate me up pretty much, I think. What did you even ask them? Like, you've got all that confidence of being 24 and everyone thinks their PhD is the most important thing (laughs) in the world. And then they learn pretty quick. Yeah, no one else cares about this, do you? But So you approach it with this kind of, of course, I'm so important. And then you realise, no, no, you're not. But what did you even say to them? Like, what kind of data? Did you give them questionnaires? No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I, I'd read some books. So I had some, some ideas that often stuff that happened in those interviews were not in the books. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but it was open-ended survey or questionnaire. So I just say things like, you know, where did you use it? What words did you use? Gradually, I'd build up a list of words as I went around. And so I'd pull out my list and say, what do you reckon to these words? Do you know any of them? Are there any missing? So that it would get bigger and bigger mm. as I went from person to person. Wow. And how many yeah. people did you interview for that? About 20. And then sort of there were maybe about 40 extra people that I kind of talked to or uh, was able to get the secondary sources. And then there were you know, maybe about 100 people who emailed me and gave me little bits of information, little jigsaw mm. piece bits of information, maybe not full interviews to kind of supplement it. So I approached it from all sorts of angles. Yeah. Triangulation, that's another one. Did you ever get the sense that someone was just making it up because I wanted to join in? I did sometimes, yeah. And once or twice I got an email and it would be in this kind of weird language and they'd say, they spoke Chloe. And I thought, you're, you're, you're having me on. You're making this up. <laughs> None of these words really exist. And sometimes I'd show people my list and then they'd kind of give me the wrong answers. And I, I'd think, you're just wrong. And I got the impression there was a, a right Polari and there was a wrong Polari, which Ooh. was the wrong way to look at it. Because the thing is, everyone was using it in different ways, developing it yeah. off their own bat in their own little communities. And so, of course, they were going to come up with different words and different pronunciations and different meanings. So there wasn't one correct way. There were lots. And that was a bit of a light bulb moment when I kind of got that. And it made me understand more about how secret languages work when they're not written down and there's not a standard. Was it geographically specific to anywhere or have you found this everywhere? I found it in many places, big cities particularly, Manchester, London, Liverpool, port cities as well, mm. where, where ships are coming in and out. And also sort of seaside towns where there's an entertainment. If there's a pier in a theatre, mm. you're probably going to have a Polari kind of thing going on at some point as you get all the, you know, the entertainers kind of coming for the summer season and then kind of spreading the glamour of, of, of the big city um, to those places and then off they go. Wow. Was there anywhere that you really wanted to go but you didn't get the chance to go? Like any Polari hotspots that you were like, I think that that will be the place? I didn't look at Scotland. I mean, I did interview people from Scotland who were on cruise ships and worked on ships and, and retired to the south coast. And so they were able to tell me about their stories. But a lot of these men had retired. They'd all kind of like gravitated to the south coast to live um, where, the, where the weather's a bit nicer. Um, <laughs> so we've got to talk then about some of the words because yeah. how many words did you reclaim in your research? There was about 400 I guess. Not all of those words would have been known by everybody yeah. or used by everybody and, and quite a lot of them are kind of words for the same thing as well which again suggests that's often a thing of slang where people discover what a word means and so you have to invent a new word to kind of mm -hmm. keep up, keep it oh, a secret. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there was that going on. About, about 400. Presumably some of these words are still in common usage that they must have got loose from the stupid gay community <laughs> and then everyone got involved. What or is they that did, few. Yeah. So my favourite probably is zhush or zhush. As in zhush up. Yes. Zhush, zhush, ah yeah, okay. Yeah. And that's I love that word. It's an interesting one because it starts with a, a consonant sound that we don't usually use in England in at the start of words. No. In French we do, je instantly makes a word sound quite exotic and foreign if you yeah. say je, je, or je, je. You don't normally do that with your mouth. When you say that word, you make your mouth quite camp as well, I think. <laughs> which I like. And it's quite a versatile word as well. So you can judge your makeup, you can judge your hair, yeah. you can um judge a bevy, which is like drink a drink down. It's bevy polari. Yeah. Although it's also a cockney rhyming slang, I think, as well. Or no, is it? It's, it's from Italian Bavare, I think. Um, so it's drink. But yeah, bevy, you hear it in Cockney, don't you? Yeah, um, yeah. They still say that up north and yeah. definitely in Liverpool. Yes, yeah. And then stealing is judging as well. So you'd have a judge bag and it would be your swag bag. 
as right. well. So there's all sorts of ways you can use zhuzh. And naf as well. Naf is another interesting one too. So yeah, that's something that maybe not as popular as it was in the 70s, but I think mm. people still... I think you'd still, if you said something's naf, people, people still know, know what you're talking about. Yeah. Now that's an interesting one. Some people have said it's an acronym, N-A-F-F. Okay. Not available for fucking. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know whether that came later, but it was used by gay people and they'd say, oh, don't bother with him, he's naff, meaning, you know, he's not not available. Don't don't chase after him. And it gradually got associated with kind of tastelessness or kind of bad fashion or just like ugliness as well. And then, of course, you get straight people hearing it, not understanding the meaning. Yes. And then using it themselves. And then it all kind of comes to a head with Princess Anne apparently using it. I think in 1982 during the badminton horse show trials, she was on a horse and it's a kind of famous equestrian competition and she fell off her horse and the photographers rushed forward to take a photograph of her and she shouted naff off oh. to them and it got as it was a headline in the newspapers I suspect she might have said a ruder word than naff ah. off but that's what it was headlined as I'll be back with Paul after this short break Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm thrilled to say that today's episode of Betwixt the Sheets is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stresses with us, and I'm no exception. It can be a whole range of things that weigh on us big and small, such as, can I justify these elaborate impulse purchases? How do I tell my friend that, no, they really shouldn't have cut that fringe? And of course, the evergreen classic, why are we all here? Bottling these things up can really take its toll, which is why therapy is fantastic for getting them off your chest and working through them with an expert even if it's just to tell your mate that their hair doesn't look its best. If you're thinking of starting therapy, BetterHelp is built to be convenient to you, being entirely online and flexible to suit your schedule. Simply fill out a questionnaire to be matched with a therapist and you can change at any time with no additional cost. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com betwixt to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Betwixt. All right, so you've got some that have kind of definitely become common terms, but what were some of the more interesting ones that you discovered? I love zhuzh, like that's such a weird sounding word anyway, but... What were some of the ones that, like, you really just got, it's a, it's a what? <laughs> <laughs> there were some very strange sort of sexual ones. So 
Colosseum curtains. Oh, let me have a guess. Is that a vulva? So Colosseum curtains, no, not a vulva, a foreskin. So, yeah, close though. What? I think. Yeah. How is it a curtain? I don't know. That's what I have here. <laughs> I mean, I'm not doubting your research. I believe you. But, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting no. that's not right, but I'm just trying to visualise. It's not like any Colosseum I've seen. <laughs> I like that though. Okay, what else? Give me some other sexy genital. See if I can guess. Okay, I'll go through my dictionary of it and see if I can get you some, some good ones. Cavaliers and roundheads, that's maybe an easier. Cavaliers and roundheads. Is that penis related? It is. Is that the bell end? <laughs> you're, you're, you're in the right area. Oh, you're close. Oh, you're, yeah, oh, yeah, is it yeah. Um, circumc... No, what's yes, the word? it is. Where well, you had the snip. The... It's the circumcision Circumcision, not. thank you. Circumcision yeah. or not circumcision. Yeah, yeah and definitely. And now I will never think of it as anything else. Anything else. No, no. Blob queen. There was a whole kind of range of different kind of queens, but... A blob a queen. Blob. Some of them have fallen out of fashion. So drag queen, obviously, we still know. But yep. blob queen was one which kind of has fallen into disuse. Is that a large gay man? That's a good guess. But no, sadly, it's a kind of a gay man of no consequence who maybe attaches oh. himself to oh. a kind of more glamorous person, like maybe a drag queen, and tags along behind hoping that glitter will fall off. Oh, that's kind of sad. It, is sad. <laughs> it was a mean kind of language at times. So that, that's yeah, it was quite really cruel. Bitchy. I know. So, yeah, I, I think probably we all know a blob queen. I was just I think. thinking, I, yeah. yeah, definitely. We all maybe do. I think I've dated a few. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's one to come back. Maybe, we maybe that is. Oh, proper blob queen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that and see if anybody questions me on it. <laughs> is it mostly gay men that are using this? Are there slangs that are particular to women? Gay women for using. Gay, well, just I'm uh, just thinking. I want to know what some Polari slang for pussy is. Oh right. <laughs> Give me a minute. Or is it just? It never even entered the lexicon because lots. they were just like the what? <laughs> no, there were lots. I think it just. I just need to go through the book, <laughs> my little dictionary and find them all. And I yeah. suppose minge is Polari, is it? Yeah, I've got minge, a vagina, brackets derogatory. See, I, I, I think that I might have been a gay man in a past life. So, for you going to describe someone as having a naff minge, <laughs> that's just pure Polari. It is. <laughs> Look at this. It's so easy to pick up. <laughs> What are some of the more like unusual ones? I'd like you to sort of say a sentence with Polari in it and sort of get a sense of what that might sound like and if you can get a hold of what it might mean. Okay. Well, I'll, gi I'll give you maybe one that has a slightly sort of weird grammar to it to okay. see if you can kind of pick it up. So I'd say, um, Polone void is only Polone very cod. All right, yeah, I don't know what that means. That sounds Welsh. Yeah. One more time. Polone void is only Polone very cod. Polone? No, I don't know okay, what so that is. Okay, so Polone is a woman. Right. And Vard is, is to look... Okay. And Omi Pallone's a weird one because Omi is man and Pallone is woman. And so literally an Omi Pallone is a man and woman and it's what gay men who spoke Pallone called themselves. They were Omi Pallones or Omi Pallonies. A lesbian was a Pallone Omi, a woman, man. They switched the order around. Oh, this is complicated. Not a very politically correct language as well, I should <laughs> point out. It was not a politically correct time. So Pallone, Vard is Omi Pallone, very cod. Now cod means bad. Right. So put that together. You've got Pallone, woman. Yep. Varda's looks. Woman. Only Pallone, gay man. Very bad. The Wh gay man looks like a woman and they look shit. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> woman looks gay man very bad. You have to think of the context. So imagine you're in a kind of cafe and yep. you're talking with your friend and you are yep. polarying your head off. Yep. And there's a woman sitting nearby. Oh, and she's, she's giving you the side eye. Yes. Perfect. Yes. Yeah, you got it. I wouldn't have got that, though. It would be spoken that fast. Yeah, you'd be like, like that, and it would just be like wow. that really quick. Yeah. 
That's crazy. So what happened to this language? It sounds like it's really rich. Like you've recovered hundreds of words. You've discovered communities of people that were using it, but now it's kind of fallen. Where did it go? It was like a meeting and everyone just went, oh, me, poloni, blah, 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 which That's meant it. that we're not doing it anymore. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> there, was a, there was an edict by <laughs> Quentin Crisp No, it's enough now. We're not doing it anymore. <laughs> well, there was a really popular radio series called um, Round the Horn with Kenneth Williams in it. Yes. And they used Polari in this radio series every week and it was very popular. I mean, my dad listened to it. And I think that spoiled the secret a bit. That was late 60s. Ah. Uh. But then there was also decriminalisation of homosexuality in 1967, partial decriminalisation. So there was a less of a need for a secret. And then instead you get in the 70s, early 70s, gay liberation front and these senses of gay pride and gay lib and the concept of coming out of the closet and and being open and wanting equality. Not about secrecy. And there was also a bit of a kind of backlash against camp during that period as well. An idea that it was maybe demeaning to women and it was kind of stereotyping and boxing in gay men is only allowed to be a certain type of person. So there was all kind of movements going on. And also at the same time, gay men were going on holiday to America and discovering these quite macho cultures there in, on the mm. gay scene, places like San Francisco, where everyone wore leather, went to the gym or, or denim and had beards and mustaches and had an image of being butch, even if they weren't that butch in reality. <laughs> so Polari, which was a kind of camp thing, it started to be seen as a less fun, maybe a bit restrictive. There were Articles written in gay magazines in the early 70s saying, you know, it's a bit ghettoizing, we don't need it. Wow. And it started to be seen as less fashionable and then a kind of an old thing as well. Like it's the, the, the old people. Yeah, exactly. It was over. It's I think. done. <laughs> yes. If you're using it, you kind yeah. of, it's just really, yeah. yeah. No. There's a, a word in Polari, BMQ, which stands for Black Market Queen. Oh, that's a good one. That's, that's another, that's another type of queen. One. So can you guess what that is? A black market queen. Yeah. So we said BMQ. I thought of BMQ, which yeah. is a hardware store. <laughs> that's, and now the only thing I can think of is like a, a gay person who needs blackboard paint. But that's probably not what that means. Well, the black market was the kind of underground kind of market of World War Two. So to be a black market queen... You were kind of underground. You were yeah. hiding secrecy. A closet queen, basically. A closet queen. Yeah. You were ah. kind of, you were, you were on the black market. You kind of um, were hiding your sexuality. I see. Yeah. Sometimes they were called phantoms. And it's a kind of term that dates you, I think. If you're calling somebody a black market queen in 1976, yeah. you're basically saying, I lived through World War II. Yes. <laughs> I'm nobody's, old. And it's amazing how fast slang will date you, isn't it? Yeah. And that's it with Polari. I think it started to date people as well. Just even using it, any of it, I think, but particularly some of the terms. And some of the words as well are not particularly nice words. There are words in there which have a kind of racist or, mm. or misogynist kind of attitude, I think. And so that was seen as very problematic. And another reason maybe to ditch the whole thing. So it became very, very uncool. And by the time I came along in the 90s, it was almost forgotten. And I remember going out on the gay scene, no one was using it. I think there was one word maybe from it, chicken. Young gay man. Yeah, and yes. I, I got called it a lot. I think I was the last chicken oh, in Britain. Paul, that's... <laughs> yeah, because after that, it was twink, wasn't it, I think? Twink! <laughs> yeah. <so>. Yes! <laughs> When did you stop being a twink? 25. Then you're a twonk. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> or a twunk. <laughs> See, but they're still using slang. Oh, yes, it hasn't gone away. It's, That's, just... it's still very much within communities and gay cultures still have their own They slang. do. They do. And I think it's come more from America now than in the UK, at least, than it did. So, you know, a term like closet K 
case or closet queen. I don't know about you, but I don't have a closet. I have a wardrobe. No. And But wardrobe queen doesn't have the same kind of... That's like, something else, to... that one, isn't it? <laughs> Has it now got to a point where it's kind of cool again? Because like things happen like this all the time, don't they? Something goes out of fashion, and then for in the immediate aftermath, it's kind of very aging, and it's very kind of just like, oh my god, like you're doing what? <laughs> and then enough time goes past, and then suddenly everyone's going, oh my god, that was actually quite cool. Yeah, like ripped jeans. So I think there was a period in the '90s when it started to get used for kind of almost political purposes. So there was a group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, so a kind of group nice. of male nuns who had carried out house blessings and they'd sainted various gay people who were of note as well. And they started using Polari in their ceremonies when they were sainting people. Were they real nuns? Sorry, you no. might just have to unpack this for a second. <laughs> you can't just drop that in, that there Sorry. was a group of gay nuns going around to people's houses in the 90s. They still exist. And they're all over the world as well, not just in the UK. They're American initially, but there was a London branch. And so you had to join, there was a ceremony to join and everything. And you had to make your own habit as well. You had to sew it properly. And so the British ones started to use Polari because they felt it would kind of give their ceremonies a bit of oomph. And it was a bit like how Latin is to Catholics. It's a dead language. So Polari is like the Latin of gay men. So they they canonized very famously Derek Jarman, the the gay filmmaker. And they used Polari in this ceremony and they kind of brought it back in a way. They, They made a little dictionary of themselves. And through that, there was interest within academic circles. Um, And so people like me got to know Mm. about it. There were articles published. And it became suddenly a a kind of respectable topic, which I think is quite nice. I love that. Yeah. So final question. Are there groups of people that use it just today as just a language? Not as like, you know, a sainted nun thing. (laughs) But like just, is it still used by any groups, maybe older people? It is. There's still friendship groups that use it, definitely. And I still hear little bits and pieces of it when I go to different pubs and things. There's a one by King's Cross um, called Central Station. I was mm. in there last week and somebody used a Polari word at me. Just one word, but I was, I was on it. What was, was the word? It. Was it zhush or something like that? But I was like, oh, that, that's from Polari. So yeah, I, I do still hear it occasionally among older gay men, definitely. I'm so glad that you've done this work and that you've been able to be part of a movement to recover this because wouldn't it be crap if this was just like gone forever and ever that was it I was really concerned it would be and it's such a fun language and such a kind of insight onto a group of people whose whose stories didn't get told Mm. and were often just seen as kind of the comedy punchline in a a film or TV show or something or they were the villain or they got killed off early on or something and I really wanted to kind of tell the story of what it was like to be them and how this language came about and what it meant to them and how it helped them get through mm. quite a tough period of homophobic time. Paul, how would I say it's been a pleasure to talk to you in Polari? Bona to Polari, you, Paul. Bona to Polari, you, Paul. You, yeah. I love that. Bona to Polari, you, Paul. Thank you so much for joining me today. If people want to know more about you and your work, and they should, quite frankly, where can they find you? Go to Amazon. Um, you can Google my name. I've got an author page and you can look at my, my latest books. Fabulosa is the one on Polari. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening and thank you so much to Paul for joining me. And if you like what you heard, please don't forget to like, review and follow along wherever it is that you get your podcasts. If you'd like us to explore a subject or if you just fancied saying hello, you can get us at betwixt at historyhit.com. We have got upcoming episodes on everything from Caesar's sex life to the age of consent. 
This podcast was edited by Tom DeLaghi and produced by Stuart Beckwith. The senior producer was Charlotte Long. Join me again Betwixt the Sheets, the History of Sex Scandal in Society, a podcast by History Hit. This podcast contains music from Epidemic Sound. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Betwixt the Sheets. Please follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favour. Don't forget, you can also listen to all these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com forward slash subscribe. As a special gift, you can get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use the code BETWIXT at checkout.